following podcast contains coarse language and strong opinions on wine. Seriously, these two have potty mouths and little self-control. Listeners, you've been warned. Live from our outdoor studios in suburban Chicago, it's another edition of That Wine Pod. I am Pete, and sitting across from me, my co-host, the Sinso Sinner, Vino Mike. Hello, everybody. Dude, this weather. There is nothing sinful about this weather. Well, maybe. (laughs) I could indulge in this weather a lot. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you can create some sins out of this, huh? That's right. This is a R-rated show, so we could talk about those sins if we wanted in detail. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the we got the sin in the glass right now. That's right. Not the zin, but the sin. The sin so. Sin so, yeah, dude. You brought this bottle, and you've been talking about this, like, all year, <laughs> I feel. Yeah, I really wanted to bust this one out on the show, especially today we're recording. It is springtime, but, you know, it's definitely the unofficial start to summer. It's after Memorial Day weekend here in Chicagoland. It is absolutely beautiful. We're sitting outside and, you know, you still want to drink some red wine during these warmer, sunny days. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a little bit hard to go to your, uh, go-to faves throughout the year, like Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah, uh, things like that. So this is, um, a really beautiful summer red. And when I tell you the producer, you guys might, you know, have a double take here because this producer is known for producing the fruit bombs and the oak bombs and the giant high alcohol Zinfandel and Petit Syrah wines. Very, very culty. But on this on the side here, they do this really beautiful Cinso, 100% Cinso, and the producer is none other than Turley. 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 The Turley label, again, known for big time powerful big Zins and Petit Syrahs. They make this Cinso. It comes from a single vineyard in Lodi called Bechtold Vineyard. And this thing is one of the most chuggable red wines that I've ever, that I've ever drank, really. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's, it's really silky, like on the, pe- whoa. We got some mic loving going on there. I'm I'm sinning. My microphone is sinning here. Is I'm it all right? To, uh, yeah, we're good. Trying to lay back and relax outside, and uh, just the the mic is uh, was was tilting a little bit, but we're good now. Oops. We're good. Yeah. Do you want me to adjust that thing? Uh, I mean, because we're on air, so I should do things like this. Can you adjust me a little bit? I can. <laughs> I was just trying to find the alcohol on this bad dad because it yeah. seems like so. Like I think Lodi, I think hot. Right, Lodi is hot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think Zinfandel and big red blends, uh, things of that nature. But here we are drinking a Lodi red produced by Turley. And I'm grabbing the bottle here. And Pete, this thing on the label is 12.5%. 12.5%. That's like Loire Valley or, you know, cool cool vintage Burgundy. Um Pete's over here fixing up the mic. Is that better? Yeah, it feels great. Are you sure? Yep. <laughs> Sorry. 
the out the outdoors adventures in the outdoors well the and recording in the outdoors yeah well we made some adjustments to the setup too trying to just make it more comfortable yeah absolutely. and i'm not sure i i nailed that but you know professionals would edit this shit out i'm not no no come on we're we're definitely not editing anything in these shows no. and uh again if you're just tuning in for the first time we're just a couple of wine glasses why glass holes glass, glass holes, holes. <laughs> just a couple of glass holes shooting the shit um with with a microphone talking wine and whatever happens happens but uh back back to that bottle um so pete 12.5 percent that's crazy um super low alcohol california red wine really well balanced um it's a pretty unique grape um nice get a little little ambulance action in the background Somebody be sinning. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully everybody's okay. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things here. One is the grape Cinso. It might be a little bit unfamiliar to most wine drinkers, so we can get into that a little bit. Yeah. And, then, you know, the other thing is uh, just this this low-alcohol California dry-farmed um you know, wine vineyard that, that Turley makes this wine from, um, producing this just everyday drinking, chuggable, um, definitely chill it down a little bit. I mean, you know, summertime reds, they, they got to be something that you can put a little bit of chill to it. You want that to be refreshing. You don't want to drink 80, 85 degree wine, no matter what it is. Smack it up, flip it, <laughs> chill it down. There we go. Oh, no. <laughs> So, yes, and don't be afraid to have a little bucket of ice, some water and some ice, you know, either a bag, there's a lot of wine bags out there and or a bucket, you know, like an ice bucket and keep that thing kind of sitting on top of it, floating it on top, kind of turning the bottle a little bit. Just you don't want it to get ice cold. What's cooler than cool? Ice Ice cold. cold. (laughs) But you can but you want it to keep that chill throughout the day and we didn't do that here and it's already starting to warm up even though the temperature ambient temperature is maybe 70 yeah but yeah. The, but we got direct sunlight upper 60s but direct no. sunlight we got a black tabletop that we're sitting at um and you know a couple of hot dudes also you know <laughs> i almost did a spit take. <laughs> he almost choked on the wine that was i'm, I'm trying to watch as pete sips wine and come out <laughs> something come out of my mouth to make him spit it all over himself but uh, yeah so what goes on with senso though like what makes this thing like even doable in california and be able to produce a wine like this yeah i mean for me like getting into some of these 100 percent senso bottlings is something that i've kind of gotten into in the last five years or so so you know pretty recent somewhat recent and um you know we'll we'll type this all out on our social media and in the show notes but uh since so actually goes back to like the 1600s its origin is france um you're, you're gonna primarily find it in south of france in the languedoc roussillon not a whole lot in the rhone valley more languedoc roussillon as well as provence and primarily it's used in a lot of rosé. It makes a really crisp, dry, refreshing rosé. Um, but it is used in red wines as well, but primarily as a blend. So, um, you know, again, the origins are French. 
Um, it is best suited to warmer and drier soils. And the grape itself can really produce some higher yields, meaning if you want to grow a whole bunch of grapes on your vines, you can do that. This vine um, genetically isn't able to let you go to town on producing a ton of fruit. But the better examples, of course, come from when the winemaker, vigneron, um, you know, the, the, the farmer, they decide to limit the yields and grow a little bit less of the, uh, of the grape on the vine because you, you can really get some high yields with Cinso. Um, it's also a rather large berry in terms of grape sizes. So I think you get, like looking at this wine here that we're drinking right now, it's a really beautiful like pink sort of violety color to it but it really is translucent and you can really see through it so you, i think you get a lot more juice and a little less of the skins when it comes to Cinso that yields um, a fresher and lighter wine and also makes it so great for rosé because you just put a little bit of skin contact on there you're done and then ferment it out you know like a white and you get a nice crisp uh, and dry rosé um, in terms of reds it's primarily you know blended um it it partners up well with Carignan, so some of the Appalachians in the south of France, south of France and the Roussillon uh, with Carignan. Um, wow, we've got a personal delivery of a beautiful bag of ice water for our bottle. Thank you to our uh, production assistant, uh, Gretchen, coming through in the clutch here. We're going to chill the bottle back down a little bit to where it should be. But, um, you know, uh as as a red 100 percent senso it's it's rather it's relatively rare um again you know spain um like priorat maybe a little bit um south you know cat like uh catalonia um and catalan the roussillon that area it's primarily blended a lot with carignan um and it's allowed in Chateauneuf to pop. So you will find it in Rhone wines and Chateauneuf to pop, but you're talking like maybe 5%. It's never a predominant part of the blend of these wines. That's definitely going to be Grenache and Syrah. Those are the workhorses of those areas. So um, that's, that's kind of the, the gist on Cinso. And when it's by itself, you know, for me, I always love comparing this to Beaujolais. Yeah, that's exactly what comes to mind for me too. You know, it's soft. Um, it's perfumed, it's aromatic, it's really easy to drink, and, um, you know, typically lower in alcohol also. I felt, I feel like when I have these wines, because I don't have a ton of them, I mean, I find it interesting that you started kind of getting into them and about five years ago, because it's about, I think, when I started to, to discover them too, and it's almost like it's an old friend, like super familiar, easy to get along with, right? And... It's great just to drink on its own because the acidity is there, but it's not like searing. Um, so you can you can definitely drink on its own. It's soft enough to do that. Yeah. But it, it's got enough happening that it can hold up to some foods too. Some lighter like grilled vegetables I could see, you know, like vegetable fare, which you're kind of eating picnic-y food kind of outside mm -hmm. during like a summer month or something. I could totally see that. Do they do with this? And I, and I honestly don't know. But it seems like something that 
those nerds down in South America might start looking into. Yeah, yeah, I believe there is uh, definitely some South American Cinso bottlings um, that, again, are a lot of like the natural wine producers. Yeah. This this is definitely in their camp. Bio, um, bio. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, dude. Way down there in southern Chile, yeah. you start seeing some Cinso bottlings. Um, you know, one of the great things about this show is we really don't do any research <laughs> or very, very, very little. But I want to say, you know, there was maybe there's a there's a importer of those wines, um, Brazos. Oh, yeah. That may, they may have yeah. they may have some Cinso, uh, some producers that do a Cinso, but you're starting to see it in Chile. And that's an interesting point. Besides the south of France, where are you getting Cinso from? You've right. got um, actually Italy. You can find it in Sicily. Uh, as well as Puya. I've not had any examples 100%, but there are a few DOCs that call for the Cinso varietal and they go by different Italian, you know, synonyms, different names. And I don't, I don't have those off the top of my head. Um, and then also South Africa. And yeah. um, here's a little trivia. I don't know, Pete, we'll, we'll, we'll let you play the game here. One of South Africa's, um, you know, most Kind of they're they're uh, very unique to South African grape varieties that is not wildly popular and a lot of people tend to not like it involves Cinso. Pinotage. You got it. You got it. So Pinotage, the South African varietal, is a hybrid cross between Pinot Noir and Cinso. But down in South Africa, they called it Hermitage, which actually makes you think more of like Syrah. And so I don't, I don't think they go by that name so much anymore. When you see South African Cinso bottlings, I believe they say Cinso on the label. But Pinot Noir times crossed with Hermitage or Cinso is the Pinotage varietal. And honestly, there's some better examples of that coming out. Oh, yeah. And that sort of bridges us into the topic of why we're drinking this wine and, and sort of the, the theme for the show, which is Summer Reds. Yeah. And I think Pinotage... You got to find one that is not too smoky and rubbery, and uh, it really can have some off-putting flavors. A lot of people talk about Band-Aid, things like that, that are kind of off-putting and gross and whack. Right. But with the with ones that have that dialed back, that's a nice summertime red. I, I agree. I So when I worked for Winebow, we had South African wines, and we had a South African winemaker in, and they talked about what they realized with that varietal in particular is that certain strains of wild yeast would make that rubber tire kind of uh, smell and taste. So they were carefully selecting the yeast to get that out of their wines because it would happen in almost all of their reds, not just Pinotage. It would happen in Cabernet too um, down there at times. So, but, so that to me, there's times where you don't want to be all natural right. and use wild yeasts because right. it could impart something more negative or flawed in your right. wine. Now that's not to say that there's not something with the varietal or with the soil or some other factor. Right. But in, in his winery, that's what they noticed. Like this wild yeast that they kind of tried to make sure that they were using in terms of being natural, where it was just causing like this rubber tire bandaid kind of taste and smell which is super off-putting right but when you find a good example of pinotage it's light and refreshing but also super complex and flavorful yeah right? dude, i was just gonna say but it has that extra complexity yeah and, and when it has a little bit of that smokiness and 
you know, rubber tire, but just a little bit. Right. What a nice pairing with some, you know, charred meat right off the yep. grill. So that, that kind of reminds me, you mentioned Sicily, you mentioned that little bit of smokiness, and I feel this way about wines from Mount Etna, too. Mm. It can be great in the summer. Yeah, dude, for sure. That's a great call. You know, so one of our favorites, Terranera, uh, the producer Terranera, I think just makes some really spectacular wines, white and red. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking reds here that you can you can latch on to. So, I mean, don't be afraid to to look in that area, too. Yeah, absolutely. If you're interested, just Google Etna red wines. Um, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll put Terranera in the, in the show notes or something like that. But Norello Mascalese, the great, yep. uh, it's kind of like Pinot Noir meets Nebbiolo. And it can fall closer towards Nebbiolo or closer towards Pinot Noir. It's really interesting to drink these wines. It's not a rigid, this is what it's like. It can depend on what part of the mountain or the volcano, this is an active volcano we're talking about, um, that the grapes are grown on. And some can be powerful with more tannin that you can actually pair up with a ribeye. And some can be really light and delicate that can you can have with like grilled salmon. Yeah. Yeah. So you won't know without talking to your local wine shop about what you're getting until you know though be careful because you might be expecting something light and and refreshing and a little smoky and then you're gonna get home and you're got rip your teeth tannins and looking for a bit giant steak so (laughs) right what else are you drinking uh red during the summer um well a couple of I think the gimmies, I, you know, you definitely get into more Pinot Noir yep. and more Beaujolais. Yep. I think that kind of goes without saying. I love those year round, but they tend to be a little bit more in the rotation during the summer. We actually just did some grilled salmon last night. We've been getting, um, we've been getting that into our rotation um, almost weekly now for dinner. It's just there. There's some really great salmon out there, and uh, there's just nothing like coming off the grill. I, I, I think baked salmon is fine, but just when it's grilled and uh, it's just so I can almost taste it now and pairing that up with like a delicious Oregon Pinot Noir. Mm. It's just one of the classics. It's a match made in heaven. And, you know, when it comes to food and wine pairing, sometimes just go with what's tried and true, simple and makes the most sense. And you get a lot of pleasure out of that. So, yeah. And then you can slip in a Beaujolais in the mix uh, with that as well. Um, or here we are with a Senso, something right. really, really similar in that camp. So, yeah, my no, no surprise. I'm going to name another Italian varietal here. Uh, yeah. but I also love Dolcetto during, oh, during this nice, weather. Nice, nice. Yeah. A little bit lighter, um, a little bit lesser known grape coming out of Piedmont. Right. But can be so beautiful and so easy drinking. Uh, I think it's just a great, a, another great wine to put a little chill on. And just sit back on the porch and, and enjoy. Cause, yeah. Because the tannins, t- not every dolcetto, but most of the time, it's softer. There's less tannin to it. Uh, I I don't mind thinking about any wine that I drink. But I think one of the things I like about the Cinso is like it's just delicious. And I'm not even sure I could pinpoint why. It's just really, really good. And I think that Larry Turley and his team, having been known more for Zinfandel, have found something really special in this bottling. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's what makes this wine so special to me also is it just sort of transcends thinking about it. You really it's just delicious, yeah. well balanced. It's refreshing and you just wanna you just wanna drink it. Yeah. 
Um, and we're on, we're just drinking it on its own right now. Most of the time, that's what we do on the show. Um, but sometimes the wines we taste on the show, we just have a glass and then you can't wait to sort of have the rest of that bottle with dinner later that night. This one, I think we could just crush this whole bottle right now before the episode is over. If, uh, if we wanted to, that, that would be easy. So with with this guy, but you know, backing up too, just like a little bit of history on Turley in case people were wondering, I I know that people know the name. They're very well known for Zinfandel. Larry Turley is the brother of Helen Turley, who's a very well-known wine consultant in California. And Larry was, was with uh, Frog's Leap when he decided that he wanted to go and concentrate on Zin. And so he went and, and did that. And in Napa, the Napa area in St. Helena or St. Helena or however people pronounce it, I know I've heard it uh, St. Helena. I have heard it like 50 ways. You're from South side Napa or North side Napa? Right. Mountains or valleys. It just depends. Just go back to the East side. So we've got that, uh, you know, but they're known for big and bold Zins. Uh, And, you know, like people think about Turley and it's so synonymous with high end Zinfandel. And it was such a like tough to get on their, their wine club list i don't know if it still is with what's going on right but i mean you used to have to wait years to get on their list right uh but you know he founded this thing in 93 1993 so it's not that old of a of a winery it really isn't i mean even in new world even in california standards it's like it's pretty recent and he just goes and finds great vineyards in different areas and bottles them and then he'll do some younger vine stuff with the juvenile bottling. Um, I know that you were looking at the labels too, because there's always a little symbol on the labels that, that's special. Yeah, so right. I think right. that's kind of cool. They put like a fun little uh, icon of, uh, or a little, a little picture of, uh, of something that sort of reflects the vineyard um, or the name of the wine or something of that nature. And uh, the the wine we're drinking right now, the Cinso has a little picture of a pour-on on it, which is... What's a pour-on? A pour-on is, it kind of looks like a decanter or like a like a beaker almost. And it's... Like a Muppet? Like Meeker the Muppet? <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. Oh, my God. Me, me. Me, me, me. So this, the pour-on, actually, it's it's used a lot in northern Spain in the Basque country, and you typically drink like chocolate. We mentioned this on a previous yeah. episode, uh, that you drink chocolate out of it because it's so chuggable. And a story I heard is back in the day, they used the pour-on because it's, and hey, it can relate to current current times as well. It's a little bit more hygienic of a way to share wine with, with a large amount of people. You just pass the pour on around. Nobody, it doesn't go in your mouth. You just pour it, you just hold up and it's, you know, the wine just pours out of the, the pour on part. <laughs> the, the hole, <laughs> the, the spigot. Hole. The wine pours it, it comes out of, out of the hole. <laughs> you just, you know, you, you look up at the sky, you open your mouth and, you know, you, you start pouring it in and the idea is to, Move it, move it as far away from you as can as you can, you know. And there's also oh, there's some really great videos of, you know, a lot of nerdy psalms yeah. doing cool shit with porons that you can Google, like pouring it off of an overpass down into the person's mouth and shit like that. But you don't want to do this with, you know, big big time Napa Valley Cab or Bordeaux or something. No. You know, you need something that's more like chuggable. Um, but it's interesting that Turley 
has a picture of a poron on a label. Right. Like it's kind of an oxymoron. When you think of Turley, it is all about mostly the Zinfandels, powerful big Zinfandels, and Petite Syrah, which is when, oh, right. I, when yeah. I first heard about Turley, it was the Petite Syrah that seemed to be like what people were really after. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you talked about all the different vineyards. I just, you know, I, I did look up this one thing. They produce from 50 different vineyards currently. Yeah. 47 different wines from 50 vineyards. And what's really cool, Larry, a little bit of his history is he grew up on an organic farm in Tennessee and he went into the medical profession and then sort of found wine by being out, moving out to California and just kind of being adventurous, I think. But he kept his full time job this whole while, uh, you know, this whole time at Frog's Leap and forming, tur- uh, you know, forming the Turley label. He kept his full time job as an ER doctor in the emergency room. That was his main thing. Um, but uh, point being, organic farming was very, very important to him. So all of all 50 vineyards are either certified organic or in the process of being certified. Yeah, they've been practicing organic. I mean, even before there were certifications, really. Right. Uh, which is fantastic. So it's, I just think it's fun to understand where everybody comes from, but also that these labels... You may think you know them, but then they go and do something surprising. And especially somebody like a like a Turley, I think that it's he's always looking to get the best out of a vineyard. And when he found this, to have the guts to make this, given what they're known for, I think is awesome, right? I mean, you, you don't have to, look. He doesn't need to make this wine. They produce over, I think, over sixteen thousand cases of stuff that's gonna sell. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have to produce this one. But he does. And my guess, I, I've never seen this, but my guess is if you asked him, this would probably be one of his prouder, you know, like one of the things he's prouder of, right? Because it's so different. That's awesome. And probably a nice gateway wine for in into Turley. You yeah. Know, like if you're into lighter reds, you know, it's not, yeah. you don't get hit over the head with a big, powerful oak aged red when you're just starting to get into wine. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of interesting too. Yeah, um, I think so. Well, fun wine. I'm super glad you shared it, and I'm glad that we could share some some summer some summer red tips, yeah. if you will. Yeah. I, I, I here's what I'll leave you with, at least in my head. Here's what I look for. I look for wines when I'm looking for reds during this time of year. I'm looking for wines that are under 14, percent preferably 13.5 and under. And then I'm not afraid to put a nice chill on them. Get them down to 52 to 55 degrees. Yeah, a little more than, than you normal. normally would. And and just enjoy them. And then find the temperature on that particular wine that you enjoy and just kind of try to keep it there, right? Yep. Uh, but my, my biggest thing is look for lighter. Don't be afraid of it. Lighter doesn't mean less flavor. It might mean a little bit less mouth-filling body. But during this time of year, you're often going to want that. You want something that's a little bit softer and something a little bit more approachable. And it's something fun to do with your guests, too, especially when you start to chill something down that they would not normally have done themselves. You're going to surprise them and it causes a a conversation. Yeah, that's great, dude, for sure. Well, really well said. And, you know, this is the time of the year where 
you know, maybe there's a little bit less responsibility. Uh, you're getting together with larger groups a little more often. And, um, you know, you want wines that keep things moving forward, that keep things fresh and vibrant and lively. And, um, you know, I think this and some of the other wines we talked about um, offer that. And chilling it down is so important. I mean, we have a red wine sitting in an ice bath on the table right now. And it's perfect. I just poured a, a fresh glass for myself and it's almost not cold enough still yeah. um, because it warms up so fast. So that other tip of chilling it down more so than you usually would. I mean, believe me, that wine is going to spike up in temperature pretty quickly if you're sitting out on the right. back deck in the sun. And, and pour a little shorter. Uh, just pour more often, right? Like to keep the temperature right. That's yeah. the, Don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared i know i know we're you know we're carnivores um so i gotta just throw in you know um the the classics south of france red blends i, I definitely drink a lot more yeah. cote de rhone's um outside of the rhone like i love fougere and minervois and corbiere i think these wines they they straddle between like the light gamay and beaujolais and the full-bodied like a syrah really powerful syrah they're somewhere in the middle and while they can be hardy during the winter with the right amount of chill on it. Um, they're they're great during the summer. And when you're smoking ribs or brisket all day or right. something, I mean, that's just another lamb one. Lamb chops. Lamb chops. Uh, uh, and you need something. You're doing lamb chops. You, you, you probably gotta, need something bigger than this Cinso we're yeah. drinking. Yeah, agree. Something with some 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 body and grip and a little bit more tannin. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, this was, I think, a fun discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but speaking of being scared, we got to announce our Zoom tasting. We're doing a Zoom tasting? We're going to do it. We talked about doing it. We're going to do it. All right. It's on. It's on. So next Wednesday. So if you're, I guess I can't say it that way because I don't know when people will be listening. On June 10th. 2020. 2020. We're going to have a link that we're going to put up on our social medias and it's going to be great. We're going to, we're going to have Mike. And myself, and we are going to go through our favorite, our co-favorite region, right? Like we love Piedmont wines. So we're going to, we're going to go through some Piedmont wines on the 10th at starting at 7 p.m. Central. Yeah. Sounds great. I mean, I think we want to show you guys why we love Piedmont so much yeah. and why you can just drink there for the rest of your life and probably be content. Yeah. So we're, we don't know if two people will join. Well, we don't know if anybody will join. Well, there's at least me and you, so we're at two. I meant outside of us. Okay. We're gonna have to pay our Mom, like our Dad. like our wives to be on like other computers. And oh, stuff. my wife won't be on it. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta listen to him enough. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll put we'll put everything out there. We'll also put out a list of the wines that we will be tasting, and. If you can find those wines in your area, we highly recommend you buying those. So we'll have a list out to you, you know, like about just under about a week ahead of time, give or take. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you can't, though, go find something similar if you can to try to drink along with us. Right. Yeah, that's, At the, least beauty. Varietal, that's the beauty of right? Piedmont. Like whatever wine we're going to taste, there's there's definitely another example by another producer without a doubt that you can um, that you can find versus go find another Cinso from California besides hey. Turley. Right. I mean, it, I'm sure it exists. Right. Sure. But that's a little bit more uh, of a challenge. But, you know, if we're going to drink a, a, a Dolcetto or a Barolo, 
you know, you might not find the exact one we're going to drink, but you can get pretty darn close. And uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, we'll um, deep dive a little bit mm -hmm. differently, you know, but it's still going to be us. Uh, so expect some, you know, swearing, uh, potentially. Oh, probably. Uh, and expect irreverence. You know, we're not going to fully get into like the soil type necessarily. That's just not who we are, no. but we might mention it if it impacts flavors in a way that's special yeah so like within a region right or if we taste a nebbiolo that's outside of barolo or barbaresco or gattinara and like where where is that and why does that happen yeah uh but you know we expect it'll last somewhere 45 minutes to an hour would be would be my guess yeah i think uh, well, i think four or five think, wines you know i think in about an hour um so when wednesday june 10th at 7 p.m central okay yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> that's gonna be a blast. I hope. I hope if you're listening, please join in if you can. It's just gonna be so much fun live, super off the cuff, and uh, it'd be great to see some, uh, you know, faces of our of our audience. And uh, we'll probably open it up to a little conversation and oh, absolutely, a little bit of Q and A. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. We 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 want interaction in this thing. Definitely. We want to give you the info, but then once we've gotten some info out, we want to talk. We want to hear from you, and uh, it, it could be like a private wine lesson if only one other person shows, so this could be fun. That'd be great for them. <laughs> That's right. That'd be great for them, absolutely. All right, so we'll see you Wednesday, June 10th on Zoom, 7 p.m. Central. Sound good, brother? I'm there. Awesome. All right, I think this we can wrap this one up then. Let's wrap it. All right. Remember, life is short. Get out there and drink what you like tonight. Thank you for listening to That Wine Pod. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at at That Wine Pod. And we are That Wine Podcast on Facebook. Also, check out Mike on Instagram at Vino Mike and Pete is at Fat Man Stories. Please subscribe to That Wine Pod on your favorite podcast app and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. The music is Proto Funk. By Kevin McLeod. That wine pod is a production of Paragon Media.